I mean, it's easy to love people that look like you. It's easy to be compassionate, to love people, compassionate towards people that are the same. But when you have to stop and think about another group, which that's different, different challenges, looks different, you know, that's where your faith really comes into play because that's what we've been told to do. Dr. LaDonna Thornton, Professor of Logistics and Supply Chain Management at the Harvard College of Business at Auburn University. I'm Dr. Hannah Stoles, Director of the Center for Faith and Innovation at Wheaton College and Professor of Supply Chain and Marketing. And I have with me my co-host, F.T. Chung. And F.T. is the Head of Private Capital at Pinebridge Investments. LaDonna joined us today to talk about diversity and inclusion. Diversity and inclusion will continue to be an important priority in the marketplace and for organizations that want to be innovative. We sat down with Dr. LaDonna Thornton, who has a PhD in logistics and management from the University of Tennessee, an MBA from Vanderbilt University. She was director of operations for Cardinal Health and has done a lot of work in the space of power and power asymmetry, as well as looking at opportunities for transformation and supply chain strategy to serve the unserved. LaDonna and I have co-authored and worked on research together, exploring the empowerment of employees at the front line. And we do a lot of research in business, and when we read the Harvard Business Review, a lot of times the research is focused at the, the top of the organization, but at the front line, there is equal opportunity for employment and really at the front line of the supply chain, that's where we find most diversities in a lot of company. So if we want diversity to come all the way up to the top, we need to be strategic at empowering the front line. And that is some of the work that Dr. Thornton and I have done in the past. I hope you listened to the podcast. It was a great conversation with my co-host F.T. Chung LaDonna and I. And so what was interesting, LaDonna, when we worked on the empowerment paper was that the the focus of our study was frontline employees. And they're the people that I don't think it explored a lot in business research because we focused on the top levels and the CEOs and leaders. And we really focused on frontline truck drivers. And where diversity really shows up most in most companies isn't at the high levels. It's at the front line where you have the majority of your employees And we really found that for frontline employees to perform well, they need to be empowered as well. They're not just following orders that come down through the hierarchy of the company. They need access to information. They need access to people when it comes to problem solving. And not only that, but in our conversations with the podcast, with Integrate, Faith, and Innovate, we always want to talk about what is our role as Christians to look at this uniquely? How does scripture inform our view of the world? So, LaDonna, I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here. And, um, you know, for you, when you think about the work we did in empowerment and the work we're moving into in terms of power, justice, and inclusion, um, from your perspective, how does faith play into this? Well, thanks, Hannah. You put me on the spot. But uh, (laughs) when I think about faith, particularly how I was raised, I think about compassion. So, you know, golden rule, do unto others as you would have done unto you and love each other as I have loved you. Like that is by far what I think about. So 
how it would play in is yes, people might be different, but there you still treat them the same that you would want to be treated. It doesn't, those differences don't matter. You still embrace them. You still love them. I mean, it's easy to love people that look like you. It's easy to be compassionate, to love people, compassionate towards people that are the same. But when you have to stop and think about another group, which that's different, different challenges, looks different, you know, that's where your faith really comes into play because that's what we've been told. So that's how it really plays in for me in terms of diversity. Yeah, I think I think that's uh, really central to who we are as Christians, our view of loving God and loving other people who are made in his image, all people made in God's image. And this is really critical. And when we think about the Gospels and how Jesus, you know, called disciples and, and built up leaders, he called a really diverse group of people. And actually kind of like our journal of supply chain management, almost best paper um, uh, research, we, we see that he didn't just call like the high level executives, the Pharisees and the Levites. He actually called the fishermen, the uneducated, some educated, right? There were, you know, some uh, tax collectors and probably more educated people in the mix, but um, he really had a unique group of individuals that he discipled around him. So uh, when you think about, you know, inclusion and your own experiences, how do you see this, you know, play out in your experience, you know, as a operations director and then in the academy and in a business school as well? You know, I thought about, I've I've been thinking about this a lot, is the concept of colorblindness. So I'll give an example. When I worked, um, It's one of my first jobs out. I had a distribution center. I was running a warehouse. And when I first started with the warehouse, there was 12 employees. um, Predominant, I think, out of the 12, 10 were white men, two were not. By the time it was done, I'd increased it. We had 25. And someone said to me, I had the United Nations working for me. And I took that as a compliment. I had Cambodian, I had Ugandan, I had Nigerian, I had everyone, Hispanic, any, you know, everything. And um, so I embraced it. But what some people fall to is this concept of colorblindness. (laughs) When you are, when you say you're colorblind, I don't see color. I feel like that's missing so much in life in general. There's, there's too many, two issues with it. So, you know, God made color. He made all of us these different colors. It's beautiful. Color is vibrant. When I think about the guys that work for me in that center, the United Nations, as they called it, they all had these beautiful, colorful cultures. Like there was just so much cultural exchange that happened and it was, wonderful and god made all of that so to be colorblind means that you are not going to see any of the nuance and the beauty that's been created by all these different groups but then at the same time what's even worse is that it negates those groups unique experiences that they have so when you're colorblind and use that awful what's it that sepia filter that's on everybody's phone that you can't see any color, just blahs it out. (laughs) You, 
you're now telling people of color that their unique experiences, be they East Asian, Indian, from a continent of Africa, African-American, that those unique experiences don't matter because we're colorblind. And it inadvertently reinforces racist policies because you're not looking at the nuance and you're not taking into consideration what they are experiencing. So from my experience, I think it's better to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Be in that colorful, uncomfortable world and learn how to navigate that instead of taking the, for lack of a better word, maybe easier route of being colorblind where you don't get to see the nuance and being, you don't, but you also don't see the beauty in all of the color that's out there. So. Yeah, I think you miss out on a lot of fun too. If, if yeah. you have a more diverse workforce, uh, you can celebrate everybody's holidays. Oh my gosh, that is the, that is, yes. The food. Diwali, <laughs> food. I found out about Diwali, Diwali is awesome. Like, <laughs> yeah. the food, um, yes. <laughs> and that's part, I, that, there is an aspect of a more interesting team building if you have diversity and open yourself up to it, right? So, uh, and so there's an aspect of being, having the courage to be open about it too. Um, I, I think one of the fears people may have is to inadvertently say something insulting to other people, which can happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, that can happen. Like the whole, you know, can I touch your hair thing? Like, you know, you don't want to touch it. You don't touch random people's hair. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you a question. If <laughs> during your time uh, when you're working for Cardinal, right? Is that, uh, yeah. Um, did you? Did anybody ask you for the uh, the composition of the workforce? Did you? Did you report? Hey, uh, I have X percentage male, female, diversity by race. Uh, initially, I would say. When I was young, no, but as time went on, my HR became more cognizant of that and what was asking, you know, what the makeup of our workforce was and what the makeup was of the um, supervisory staff was because yeah, yeah. you have this really diverse workforce and then you have a supervisory staff that may not be able to relate to the workforce. So they began to ask questions like that. Uh, but those need to be asked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It definitely needs to be asked. Yeah, so we found in, in my work in investing in companies, <clears throat> we don't always have the ability to force people to do things. Uh, but uh, as the Bible says, you shine a light on some things, uh, the darkness cannot overcome it. So we do ask for information, just put on the report, throw a page that talks about diversity in leadership, uh, in the workforce, how many women, <laughs> what races, without any comment, just the by, by asking for the report and people preparing it, we found, hey, they're like, they come back and say, well, we're really sorry, we didn't mean to, like, we're trying very hard. I didn't say, you know, have quotas, but the facts kind of spoke for itself. If you have a pie chart and it's only one color with no slices, <laughs> <laughs> all white male <laughs> it speaks for itself so uh light shines in the darkness right so that's one one practical thing i found very useful 
no need to force anyone to do anything. No, no, but it's very practical and it's, it's very relevant. And what I have seen, not necessarily in corporate, and this depends on how, how they choose to define diversity. Sometimes they'll define it in a way that is more favorable, but just be honest about the number. Because if you're not, then you can't address the issue. Like, because more questions can come. And it's, like I said, diverse workforces are fun. They're a lot more fun. <laughs> Yeah. So I have, I have uh, a question, um, and FT, we talked, when you and LaDonna and I talked a little bit about this uh, the other day, just the, the difference um, in terms of how we engage and socialize, you know, when, when we come into the workplace with our different backgrounds, and I think it'd be really great just to hear a little bit um, from you, FT, and LaDonna about, um, you know, kind of your, the different perspectives you bring into the workplace and how you engage and socially build relationships once you get there, when we are different to one another, we want to be diverse and how do we celebrate that really effectively? Yeah. You want me to go? Sure, go ahead, LaDonna. <laughs> we'll, we'll, I'll interrupt you. Okay. <laughs> so for me, um, I've always been, I guess, since, high school, I've always been typically the only African-American in the room or maybe a couple of us in the room. So for me, engaging in that way, I've kind of been trained <laughs> to do that. Um, I still don't golf. I still don't do any of those things. <laughs> I, I don't golf. I'm not a big beer drinker, but <laughs> Knowing that and, and at sometimes feeling excluded in those spaces, what I tried to do uh, when I was working is that I would have events that um, people would embrace. So I, um, FT said it, celebrating the other holidays, celebrating the other holidays, that is a big thing. Like I learned about Diwali, like the Indian holidays are amazing. Chinese New Year, amazing. Like, you know, <laughs> when you start to celebrate and there's that cultural exchange and you, you realize there is some commonality there, uh, it's, it's very helpful. Um, just showing an interest in the culture. Because uh, yeah. one thing I did notice, so when I was working, um, I had a large, we had a large population of Cambodians that worked for me. Um, and they would take lunch together and they did like this communal lunch. Like they would all come together. Yeah, yeah. And, it smells and, good. <laughs> yeah, and it smells great. So they, we started exchanging around food and they come this communal lunch. Everybody would sit. I still can't sit the way that they would. I tried, <laughs> but doing that sort of exchange and just connecting where people are. Um, I'm a big proponent of meeting people where they are. So, and it has to be a genuine exchange. Like you can't, it can't be something that's just symbolic that you just throw out there. Yeah, but in, my, yeah in, my, in my group and in, in actually more than one situation, we actually achieve some diversity in male, female and, and racially. And then it just, but that's not enough. I ends up just a bit, bunch of people who are awkward around each other, right? They don't relate. 
So taking the next step is to try to find some way to, to you know, um, what actually an African-American uh, colleague of mine said it best. He said, we are a group, we're not a team. It's right. <laughs> a group of guys who are so awkward are people. That's how do we become a team? And in our team building effort, initially it was a little bit of, it, you know, I kind of woke up one day and I'm like, yeah, we can't just go for burgers and beer all the time because they are vegetarian teetotalers in the group, the vegans, how about the vegans? Um, so we kind of amended certain things and I said, you know, luckily we do have a uh, vegan Indian, uh, Indian buffet restaurant close by, everybody loves it. Uh, and it's not that expensive, but I think there is <clears throat> a certain amount of thinking. We, we can't just go towards the majority group's comfort space, which is maybe could be a bar, uh, but to kind of accommodate a little bit. Um, yeah. take some, it takes some effort and some thinking, but you, you can have a lot of fun doing things that you don't normally do, like baseball and beer. I, you also, know, I completely agree. I remember it was like we were just, I was in this professional organization and we were just groups. It was underrepresented minorities. And for the longest time, there was just this divide between, sorry, my, you might hear my dog, <laughs> a divide between um, Hispanics and African-Americans. We just couldn't quite blend together. And what we decided to do is one night we went salsa dancing. We were like, they picked the place. We went salsa dancing. And we, I mean, some of us knew how to salsa, some of us didn't, but we had a blast. We had fun. And then the next night we went out and we went to an African-American club and we had a fun. And after that, it was, there was a lot of that awkwardness and that tension was released because it was just, okay. We went out, we had a good time. We embraced you know, what you have is fun and you embrace what we did. So let's do it again. So it's, yeah. it's like you said, be comfortable. It's okay to be a little uncomfortable at times. <laughs> yeah. I've, and I, I've never navigated the world, obviously, as a person of color, but just in, you know, being a woman and, you know, my starting position in the, the army and as a cadet in the ROTC program, you know, with a, a platoon of 60 soldiers and 58 males and two females, um, you certainly bring with you into any workspace and any organization um, kind of the societal understanding of how of who you are and um, how you fit into society. And I think society, like, you know, culture, media tells us a lot about who we are that we have to unlearn when we come onto a team, like FT said that, you know, we can't just be a group of people working together. And so let's talk a little bit. I think, you know, as a woman, we can think about the things that society tells us about ourselves, definitely going into the army, you know, it's like things like you're not as physically strong and you have to figure out how do you navigate this new space as who you are, but effectively. And so um, I know that you both have different perspectives in terms of what has society told you about who you are that you've needed to overcome in the workplace to be effective and to lead people who some look like you and some don't look like you and helping them to overcome what society has told them about who they are so that they can be effective. Um, let's talk about that a little bit because I think there's a lot of opportunity for us to both think about who we are, but then who has society told the people around us that they are? Because Jesus overturned a lot of cultural norms in this space. Yeah, I'll just start and then uh, LaDonna, you can continue. It's just one thing, I, in a sense, 
I don't even know how you break through some of the mental prisons that we live inside mm-hmm. if you're not a Christian, because I feel, you know, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And without that liberation, we live in cultural, emotional, whatever prisons. An example being uh, for an East Asian person, we're all so strictly brought up in even though even Chinese, Korean, Japanese <clears throat> Confucianism, which is respect for the elders, the most senior person in the room talks and everybody shuts up. You go to a classroom, nobody asks questions. Um, and um, it takes a lot to discard that. It took me decades to get out of that and say, that's wrong. It's not necessarily, you know, whoever has the best idea should should chime up and so there's one aspect of it which is personal which is not to live within the constraints that you may have been put in or grew up in and and you are imprisoning yourself Mm -hmm. it's not somebody outside yes i concur um from an african-american standpoint I'll say as a woman, um, I, the stereotype we fight against that has been put on us is in the workplace is being an angry black woman, (laughs) that we're this angry black woman. And if we're, we voice some sort of issue or raise our voice that we're this angry black woman and we're just going to fly off the handle. So I mean, I still, to this day, I'm very, very conscious about how I say what I say and portray what I say, because um, as you said, it's internalized that I don't want, I want to make sure my message is received and I'm not just being coming off as this angry woman because I have an opinion. Uh, From the African-American male perspective, they're deemed as threatening. So in the workforce, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot, they dress a certain way. They're like, we have to dress a certain way. We have to carry ourselves a certain way. There's a lot of pressure to present a specific image. And it's, it honestly, it's exhausting. It's tiring. So I always have to wear a suit. I can't, I can't do this. I can't do that because I don't want to be seen as scary or threatening. I want to be seen as um, just someone who is trying to express themselves. And it comes with that saying, which it's a different issue than what FT um, spoke of, but it's still, it's, it's the same pressure that comes from trying to, trying to work and be in that environment and move up and move forward without the baggage that has been put on you that may not be deserved. So, yeah. Yeah, I think when we think about it from this kingdom perspective as well, you know, as Christians, um, that the, the gospel did the same amount of work for everyone, that we are equally saved. There's equal yep. grace. <laughs> there is equal voice for everyone throughout the kingdom of heaven. And Um, So we all have equal access to God the Father. We have equal access to Jesus. We have equal access to the Holy Spirit and therefore are equally gifted. 
to be effective for Christ in this world. And I think as we think about that, um, you know, first from our experiences, you know, I think FT and LaDonna, what you shared, we have to take hold of that for ourselves. But then quickly in the sense of empowerment, once we get a grasp of that, then it becomes on us to disciple others into it. So I want to think through one of our goals every time we meet is to think about one useful takeaway. What is something we can do tomorrow for our listeners and, and for our listeners, if you do have questions or you want to throw anything into the chat room, I can take a minute to answer some questions at the end. I'm um, sorry, in the Q&A. But, um, you know, LaDonna, as you think about this, what is one thing that you, you think, like, if you are working as a leader, as a Christian, to have a more diverse workforce, what is one thing that you would tell um, maybe somebody in the, the majority? Think about this tomorrow. And then if you, we have listeners that are in the minority, what would you tell them as they go into the workplace tomorrow? So now I'm actually asking you both for two <laughs> to do. So after you can plan ahead, I'll put LaDonna on the spot first. Um, what are two things we should take away from this in terms of what is, what do we do? What do we do with this? Cause it's not enough to um, march and protest. We need change, right? Um, I would say if you're in the, in the majority, if you are in a room and you look around and everybody looks like you, everyone looks like you, then you should start to ask some questions about why that is. Uh, women make up 50% of the population. If there's not any women in there, that's a question. You know, minorities, which I can't list off our percentages right now, <laughs> but there's a lot of minorities in this country. If everybody in the room looks like you, then maybe stop and think why that is and think about the process that it takes to get into this room. And maybe there's something going on systemic with that process or systematic with that process that needs to be reviewed. And don't, and that's not saying to add diversity for diversity's sake, not at all, because there are diverse candidates that are fantastic that perhaps because of the system that you have, you're missing. So review that. And again, you're, when you have a room that looks like you, you're missing all of the beautiful, fun color, which from a, business, from a biblical perspective, God made. And from a business perspective, businesses that are more diverse make more money because they see the opportunities that exist in all of these different environments. You're missing that. From a, uh, I would say from a, when you're in the minority and you're that one face in the room, um, self-care, uh, quite honestly. Uh, sometimes it's about self-care and taking care of yourself because this, as Hannah mentioned, this is a very trying, exhausting time. It's self-care and um you deserve to be in that room. If you've made it to that room, you've earned it and you've deserved it. And similar to what FT said, if you have an opinion, you, it's valid, you can speak that and share that. Share the opinion and communicate what is that? Because there are a lot of people that, um, a lot of people in majority who are willing to learn and would like to understand. And while that is, there is some psychological labor and emotional labor to that when you're explaining the point of view, particularly in the current times, 
sometimes it's needed. They, they, it's needed. So that's what I, those are my two takeaways. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. FT, what do you think? What do we do tomorrow? <laughs> well, we should have been doing before. I would say to, to some extent, yes, we, we all have been racist and not realizing it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not enough to, I think cheap to, it's good. Uh, but it's like cheap grace to go and protest once and say, I've done my part. No, that's not true. Um, there is, I think everyone should be prepared to sacrifice something. Uh, and not to the extent of Christ sacrificing his whole life, but giving up something, time, energy, money, maybe even a promotion um, to seek justice to mercy. And they may involve saying, okay, I'm going to spend time outside of work doing more, whatever it is, tutoring or whatever it is. Or at work, I'm going to take the trouble to do recruitment in places where it may be a little bit less convenient uh, rather than just rate the same pool of people. Um, it's little things. We, we took an effort in one company to hire prisoners at going rate. They are paid, they get promoted, they, <laughs> they even get titles um, at the going rate. It's very, very hard to, to do that. Uh, and there are people who would attack that as, oh, prison labor, you're paying them 50 cents an hour. Uh, no, we're not doing that. These are people who would have a job if they, we're now working on early release for somebody. So, that takes, that takes time and energy. Uh, and so I would say, take the, take, sacrifice something, time, energy, money. So speaking of time, um, our time is almost up and I wanna make sure that we have time to pray and close out. And you know, as the director of a Center for Innovation, we know that innovation doesn't come through homogenous thinking. It comes through diversity. It comes through bringing a whole bunch of different ideas together and reimagining and we have to do this we have to do this so that our workplaces are more diverse we have to do this so we can represent and sell products to diverse customers so there is no question that this is front and center in in the next um hopefully the next season of where you know the american economy and workplace goes and i think that these are definitely um thoughts and concepts we need to be thinking about prayerfully as christians to say how do we include all of the people that god has called that jesus laid his life down for um, in ways that honor him and love them in a way that's worthy of how he loves us so um ladonna would you mind praying just to close us and just you know um lifting up our our heart and hope to god for um for revelation in this space to love each other better. Sure. Thank sure. you, Ravana. So, uh, <laughs> so um, Father, I pray that you provide guidance for those who are seeking understanding and seeking answers, as well as patience for others who are trying to share and express what's going on. Uh, You've made a wonderfully beautiful, colorful, complex creation <laughs> that at times we need to take a second and have guidance and understanding. So I pray that we open our hearts 
and learn how to love others as you have loved us and to do unto others as you have done unto us and be comfortable with the uncomfortable. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Well, this is a great conversation. I think we probably could have gone a full hour. Um, LaDonna, thank you so much for um, being willing to talk with us and for sharing. And this has been um, just eye-opening and I'm excited to apply the things that we can apply and do tomorrow. Um, so thank you again for joining us. Uh, FT and I will be here in two weeks with the Center for Faith and Innovation Managing Director, Ben Norquist. And we're going to talk a little bit about what we've learned over the last year about social innovation. So building even on our conversation today, um, social innovation is innovation with not just the bottom line as the end goal, but also thinking through how do we innovate processes and the products that companies make with the end goal being bigger than profit, which is important, but also looking at social impact, environmental impact, and economic impact. So um, looking at the impact of faith and how Christians lead, and we're going to talk through the findings of our um, 2020 annual report that's coming out of the, the Center for Faith and Innovation this year, exploring all the ways that our faith can really inform leadership, business strategy, and transformative outcomes for everyone made in the image of God.